Anime Pulse, episode 535. Joseph here, your host for another episode of Anime Pulse. Joining me as he has been and as I have been forgetting to introduce is Andrew Chan. Hi, still here, at least for the moment. Bit sick, <laughs> but hang in there. All right. Yeah, I keep forgetting to introduce you. It's like last time I was editing <sighs> again, I was like, damn it, I did it again. Jumped right into the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes you get the flow going, you just you don't want to stop, you know. So I can understand that. It's fine. All right, I'm in the description anyway, I guess. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of flowing, let's flow right into our IRL news. Okay. That was a smooth transaction transition. <laughs> Damn it, nice. mess it up. Like, <laughs> almost, oh, well, I just almost. broke the flow. Uh. Yeah. Well, uh, for my week, it has been a good bit of work. It's been no vacation this week, so uh, no holidays or anything like that. On Thursday, I got my brand new iMac, Ooh. which I am currently using to record everything. A brand new 27-inch Retina 5K display iMac 4.0 gigahertz, 32 gigabytes RAM. With uh, mm. a one terabyte solid state drive. That's nice. That sounds tasty. Oh, it's so, mm-hmm. so fast. It's like, how did I survive? Like the previous mm-hmm. computer, I would like be okay waiting a minute for it to like do stuff and, and open applications. Mm-hmm. Now it's like I click something, it opens. Yeah. Mm. Takes a bit of getting used to it at first, knowing that you actually don't like. Usually you'd have to have like a ritual, like, oh, this is when it's booting up. I'm gonna go start. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna go like go to the toilet or turn the kettle on or something. But now, like when you move up to solid state, it's just like boom, it's there. It's like uh-huh. things about getting used to it a bit. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Mm. Uh, kind of like when we I... moved from. Uh, do you remember when we used to have dial-up internet and then we moved up to broadband, like when we first for the first time, and then suddenly like you don't have to do that thing where it dials up and turns your phone line off and connects to the internet. I actually don't remember the transition that well. What I remember is uh, I remember dial-up, because I re- yep. who can forget that sound? It's like, it's so 
so iconic. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't remember the transition to cable uh, internet that much. Oh. Because my father worked at a university as the computer operator. Uh-huh. So they always had the latest in internet and technology there. And Ooh. he uh, would, you know, I'd be over there many days of my childhood. And uh, I kind of like just got used to the fact that computers got faster. Ah, okay. And, hmm. you know, internet got faster. I mean, I remember back in the day where you loaded a eBay webpage and it took like a minute for it to load. Yeah. Mm. Game trailers as well. Like whenever you're watching just any video, uh, it would you'd have to like wait for ages, like half an hour before you get even like a minute of footage. Yeah. I remember back in the day where you still had to have porno magazines because when you wanted to look at porn on the internet, you had to <laughs> click on something, find a magazine, read that, be like, ah, this uh, is good stuff, and then be like, ah, there's the image. It finally downloaded Oh, that's not exactly great. Let's look at another one. And you look through another magazine. That's back in the day, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering when we were discussing internet if that subject was going to get brought up. But uh... Oh, of course. I mean, the internet is for porn. <laughs> How could it not? <laughs> yeah. Uh, as the song goes. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's see. On Saturday, I monkeyed with the new computer, got it all set up. You know, had to fix some applications, sign out to some stuff. Uh, I think I've gotten it mostly working. I don't really care oh. for the new mail, um, which seems to be kind of slow with POP servers. Um, uh-huh. POP and IMAP, it's not great with if they're not like Gmail yeah. or Apple Mail. Um, if it's like uh, if it's a Roadrunner or Webmail account like I have, it just doesn't seem to smooth right in. Hmm. Um, okay. Let's see. Other than that, the week's been pretty kind to me. I have, I am currently enjoying some Malibu coconut rum. Ah, you might nice, be able to hear nice. that. And, uh, it is delicious. I don't have ah. any more umeshu. That's all gone. Uh, what else? Oh, I've been playing some more of that card game, although it's kind of hit a kind of hit a wall of progression where um in a campaign, in the campaign, there are three challenges to each level. There's the first challenge, which is always victory, it's just win against your opponent. But then the second challenges are have stipulations to them. So like they might say win with your your hero's health at 90% or above. Or when using three hell cards in your deck, or when using a water rune, or when using no runes, and sometimes those can get pretty gosh darn difficult. Um, so right now I'm basically I had a deck I was focusing on, which was the Kingdom Girls, as I explained, and I basically I've upgraded that to its max for the cards I have. I'm pretty satisfied mm. with it, but Good. that means my Cards that are from the Hell Realm, from the Monster Realm, and from the Forest Realm aren't really that leveled up, so mm-hmm. I need to go back in and I need to adjust it. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, have you finished the storyline and everything in that? Or No, in fact, I still have a ways to go before I'm done with it, from the looks of it. It's a pretty lengthy campaign, um, although it kind of... 
becomes that lengthy just because if you want to earn all of the rewards for each level, you want to complete all the challenges. And that can take time, and you don't want to progress too f- you know, much forward in like the actual campaign where you're just doing that victory condition. Because I'm almost certain I could probably win the rest of the campaign using my Kingdom Girl cards if I just did the victory condition. Yeah. No. Um, been playing some more Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, still a fun game. Really getting uh, into playing uh, new different characters and. Um, the new Moira character, she's kind of, kind of fun. A little bit of a, a tank movement with her. She's not as uh, flowy as I thought she'd be for as skinny as she is. Uh, she doesn't move like Genji or Hanzo. She's kind of more like Reinhardt on rails. So it's, uh, mm. I mean, she's got the one move that allows her to like ghost for a few seconds into a different area, which is great, but... Uh, when it comes down to it, it's like it doesn't last very long, and the the recoup on it takes a while. Uh, let's see here. Oh, one thing I wanted to bring up. So, Shokugeki no Soma, the manga. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, we all know that Megumi had her was having her big battle against the mm-hmm. uh, against her opponent, uh, who was like the girl with like the the cat that she tears the paws off. And I was hoping that she would win because she kept losing all her major battles. Like, she'd do really well, and at least, like, one judge would be like, yeah, she did really well. But, like, the other two judges would, you know, vote against her. However, once again, she's been relegated to the underdog position as she has lost her battle, which leaves it up to Soma. Um, Uh, Of course it does. And honestly, I would have preferred to have seen the first match, which was, um, who was it? It was Aldini, one of the Aldini brothers, the one who's always after Soma. Um, Mm -hmm. I would have preferred to have seen him, or I would have liked to have seen him in the second round lose to his opponent. Oh. And I would have liked to have seen Megumi win her first round. So Soma still would have been the deciding factor. Like, you have to win this or else we're going to lose. So it kind of adds up the tension. But I would have liked to have seen Megumi win at least one of her major battles. Yeah, that is a shame. She has been going against really heavy hitters, though, both times. I mean, like, either way, Takumi, like, you know, his matchup, you know, even though it is an Elite 10 member, is not as high ranked as, you know, the cat girl character she's quite high ranked so it's understandable is what i'm saying if megumi loses to somebody who's really high ranked yeah yeah and in the but, first tournament she lost to rio who's also like a really really good character you know he's very strong he's like soma level so yeah yeah all right just like, bad matchups just really hard matchups really so there's no shame in losing to them yeah well, still i mean like after she lost her match she got she actually cried like she yeah. put on a brave face at first, but then like she started, you know, walking away and she started crying because she really yeah. wanted to win, and I really wanted to see her win. And mm-hmm. you know, it, it's like, yeah, I know Soma will win his round, so it's kind of obvious. Um, yeah. But still, perhaps she'll win the match that really counts by the end and win over Soma. I think what it, well, I don't think you can win Soma over with food, um, unless you mm. make something really bad. 
Uh, but I think that what well, I'm hoping will happen is that when it comes down to it, if there's like this big match off between Soma and, you know, like the number one Elite Ten or maybe even Nakiri's father, I'd mm-hmm. like to see him either. I'd like to see him basically pick Megumi as his uh, partner. Like yeah. if they do doubles. Uh, now, yeah. I know like the obvious choice would be, oh, I'll pick Nakiri because, yeah. you know, she's fighting against her father. But no, I'd like to see him pick Megumi because I think they really do work well together. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it'd be for all time's sake because she was his first partner as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Going to the school. Yeah. Uh, other than that, let's see. Was there something else I wanted to bring up? No, I think that's about it. So uh, what do you got for us for your IRL news? Okay. Well, uh, while my main computer is still under repairs, unfortunately, uh, my rise to esports fame with Street Fighter is currently on hold because of that. But <laughs> in the meantime, uh, there was a big Fire Emblem update. I did, e- I did email you excited about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, to, to go along with uh, new chapters, they've now finally updated the storyline with uh, a brand new book um, with two chapters in it. Introducing two new characters, uh, both of which, you know, they're both very Norse-inspired, Norse you know, Kingdom of Ice that has a name that's kind of similar to, like, Nephilim or something. And you have, um, the villain looks like a fire guy who kind of resembles Ganondorf, if you've played Zelda. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, Ganondorf, and... how did you get in here? <laughs> He's any villainous figure, is basically Ganondorf in, in Nintendo games these days. Um, and then you have, uh... The new girl character who represents the Ice Place, who actually joins your party, uh, called Fjorn, or Fjorn, I don't know, I think the J is silent anyway. And uh, she, like most new characters they introduce, she is pretty overpowered to begin with, but it's very mm-hmm. nice that you get a five-star character for free, uh, just right off the bat, just for doing a few missions. Yep. And uh, she's really overpowered as Power Creep happens to be. Wherever they release new characters, they'll have exclusive skills that only they can have. And uh, this really makes the game kind of unbalanced for a little bit of time. But so far, I'm pretty liking that. Along with that, they've released... Uh, I've been playing the game a lot because they've really incentivized it because they put a banner out, which I also included in the email, uh, about how they've uh, put out like, a, a banner with like lots of old characters and some new characters all up for grabs um, with an 8% chance of getting them, which is um, much higher than the standard banner because like... Uh, you know, characters are placed in rarity in Fire Emblem, for people who don't know, um, by stars. And um, five stars is the rarest, and you know, one star is, you'll never get a one star from a draw anyway. But um, normally, when you go for a banner and you try to roll for a new character, you typically have a 3% chance of getting a, a five star character. With every time you roll five, you get a, a slightly higher percent chance than three. But this time it starts at 8%, so you have a chance of getting some previous like holiday characters as well, like characters from Easter and characters mm-hmm. from the summer and stuff. Um, so I, I did a, quite a lot of roles in that because I just wanted to really get those, those rare characters, as well as a chance to get Fjorn, because if you've not noticed so far with characters that are exclusive to this game, like Alphonse and Sharina and Anna, um, you can't get multiple copies of them, which is a bit of a bummer. It really kind of... Um, it's it kind of uh, stifles their potential because like when you get farther on in the game you want doubles so that you can combine characters together. So not being able to get double Alphonse or double Sharina means that you kind of are capped with how powerful you can make them. But this is not the case with the new girl Fjorn, uh, because you can get other five star draws of her and thus you can actually 
make plus versions of her if you happen to draw her multiple times. So I did quite a few rolls, uh, and I have gotten three five-star characters. Uh, the last roll I did was today. Um, the first two I got was I got the Easter Xander, which is like a version of the guy from Fire Emblem Fates that's like wearing, he's dressed like the Mad Hatter, and he's got a carrot for a lance. He's actually kind of crap, but, you know, he's a joke character, so, you know, that's kind of cool. I got yeah. Celica as well. I uh, don't know if you know her. She's like this red mage character. She's really mm-hmm. strong, but my one has the uh, not very good, like, IV builds, like, stats. So, like, by default, she's kind of got the not the best kind of stats to have for when she gets to max level. So, that's a bit of a bummer, but, you know, if I get a double, I'll just, you know, combine them. So, she'll never be useless. And then the last character I did today, um, the very, very last attempt I had, I got uh, Lin, which was uh, pretty happy to get. I got a brave Lin. So this is the version of oh, this my, game. Uh, hmm? You got my horse Lin, huh? Yes, horse Lin. That's the one. I got her. Because, um, again, for those who don't know, uh, horse Lin is a, a character that in this game, from the last time that they've done the tier listings for where they rank a character by usability, like you've got like... At the very bottom, B minus characters, and at the very top, you have S plus characters. Lin is on a tier of her own at the very top, so I consider her basically god tier in this game. In that, anybody who puts her on her team, it doesn't matter what team you put her on, she's gonna just wreck people. Mm-hmm. Simply because she can move around a lot with her horse. She has a bow and arrow, so she doesn't have to get in close. Um, if you have other characters that this is what they often strategy they do with her um, but if she's fighting somebody with a sword an axe or a lance they cannot counter her even if they have a long range <laughs> attack they cannot counter her and she has uh, she stat lowers them and has all these increased speed stats when she does attack so what the, what people typically do online is like they put her on a team with somebody like Reinhardt like this this blue mage guy and what he's he's on a horse and he's very powerful too but she'll shoot them with the arrow then Reinhardt will go up to her and then shift her behind him using reposition. So she'll just keep pe- pecking you for arrows and then hiding. Pecking with your arrows and hiding. And she does a lot of damage. Like, she can't take a lot of hits, sure, but she'll probably kill... Like, you only get four units in this game out at once, so she'll likely kill at least two of your units before you can do anything. And then, like, I've, I've went against people who have, like, four lens on their team. <laughs> and it's been a, a bit of a nightmare. So... I finally can do some of that, dish some of that out myself with my own Lin now, although she's, uh, she'll need a bit of levelling up. Her IVs are okay, but, you know, an average or even bad Lin is still better than most other characters in this game, so pretty excited to having her. Um, so, yeah, actually, did you happen, just as a quick question, did you happen to get any more 5 stars over this week? Uh, yes, yeah, so aside oh. from Fjorn, who I yep. picked up, obviously, I also got mm-hmm. Merrick. Who uh, apparently is oh, yeah, he's a shit green mage guy. And yeah. <laughs> I got Jenny. Oh, Jenny! Right, okay. She's the damn. She's got a very useful skill, actually. Um, she's basically like out of all the um healers, she's not the best tier, but she has a skill that's very useful that does um makes her staff attack more damaging than any other um staff user. I forget what hmm. it's called, but basically it's like um, it treats the staff attack as if it's a normal weapon instead of a staff, because staffs by default usually have lesser damage. Mm-hmm. But if you have that skill equipped to her, then it actually means that she can she can dish out 20 damage on Ike, which, you know, 
when I'm playing Tempest Trials, sometimes that actually screws me over because I like I'm against Jenny now, and then I have to like pay attention to my Ike's HP because usually he just tanks everything. But if it's if Jenny's on the field, I have to be careful because she'll do about twenty damage, which is quite a lot. When like most healers will just do about twelve, maybe ten, even less damage than that. Yep. So yeah, Jenny. Any others or? No, I try to go and get my uh, my Easter version of ah uh, Camilla, um, Camilla, but I yeah. wasn't able to get her. And mm-hmm. then when the new summoning came out, which was the Focus Enduring Love Block A, it ah, has yes. Raja on it, and I was like, Th- Tharja's, oh. I was going to mention it has Tharja's daughters now released. Yes, and I was like, yes, yes, gimme, 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 gimme. But unfortunately, I didn't get her yet. I'm really hoping to get her before the um, the event ends because yeah, that uh, legendary summoning actually ends in nine hours. And <clears throat> a couple other events, the new heroes, the far-fetched heroes, yep. and the Tempest Trials both end in a day. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, just means they're going to release more banners, so... The characters will be in rotation. So. The Halloween yeah. event's now all over, of course. Um, I love before. I love the artwork they did for Raja. I was just like, as soon as I saw mm-hmm. her, I was like, who is that like really buxom chick who uh-huh. kind of looks like Raja? I was like, oh, that's their idea of what Raja looks like. Oh, she's not, she doesn't have dark lines in her eyes or anything like that. She just looks like a sexy mage. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll I'll take I, it. <laughs> I think they try to differentiate her a little bit more from her mum. Uh, that's what's pretty good about Fire Emblem Heroes, is that the art style is very varied. Like, some characters look really, really cartoony, and some look more realistic, like, you know, uh, like that that new Axe guy they released with that Far-Fetched Heroes. Like, his art style looks really realistic-ish. And yeah, he looks he like a character characters. from Final Fantasy. Mm, mm, exactly. Um, so they, they kind of really vary out the art styles a bit, so sometimes it's like, oh, wow! I never thought of this character this way, but it's a it's nice that uh, when when you get a version of a character that um, sometimes looks better than they did in their original game, actually sometimes, and then sometimes you don't even recognize them at all. Like when I when I first saw the um, swimsuit version of Robin from uh, Fire Emblem Awakening, mm-hmm. I thought I did not recognize that was Robin because she looks so moe cutesy style in this game. Yeah. They give her like really cartoony eyes and stuff, and uh, so, so like you get you get some ones that match oh, and some right. that don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I mm-hmm. know what you're talking about. Mm. There's like a real contrast between regular Robin and like swimsuit Robin in this game, as an example. But you know, it's good. Hopefully, I wish you the best of luck in getting uh, what's her name again? Raja. Raja. Yeah, her Raja. name is actually just Tharja with the letters mixed up. Oh. Well, there we go. Yeah, if, you, if you never noticed that, if you look at the, both their names, that's all it is. Oh, I see. It's it's a little, you know, lazy that they went from Awakening to uh, her would be Conquest or um, uh, whatever that middle storyline is. Birth, not oh, Birthright, because she doesn't show up Revelations. in Birthright. You can't recruit her. Um, right, Revelations. Hmm. If you were to... Uh, lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> if you're able to get uh, Raja, right? So uh, Raja, yeah. If you're able to, like, 
one of my friends basically said that going from Awakening to the next game, that they just took a bunch of the characters and they made them based upon the previous character. Like, there are a few other characters like that. Like, Raja is just yeah. a mm. um, Oh, I think it is then, though. I, think it, I thought the idea was that it is actually supposed to be really the characters from uh, Awakening, but they've just came over through a dimensional door. Well, that doesn't make sense, because then some of the characters that show up through the dimensional door, there are three yeah. of them specifically. Those yeah. are actually characters. Raja, oh. on the other hand, is basically has the personality, has the looks... And yep. has the uh, um, because she's not actually she's not Tharja's daughter. Oh, I see. No, if you played Awakening, Tharja's daughter is the chick who has the talisman, who will like take it off and turn from like the nice personality, kind of skittish. She's mm-hmm. bow and arrow. And she changes from like nice personality to like evil and like yeah, like kill them all, kill them all. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's why it's a little weird is that Raja's has no relationship to Tharja other than the fact she's a dark mage who looks like Tharja and acts like her as well because she's very stocky. Oh, okay. All right, I see. So it's sort of like a recycling, and that's why people think it's a bit lazy. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Gotcha. Yep. Well, um, and also, I suppose, apart from that, uh, I released my first app onto the Android store, so whoop, that was good. Uh, that job is now done. Um, I can now move on to, now that you've un- uh, uploaded version vor- uh, version 1.0, now you have to work- welcome version 2, and so begins the the journey all over again. The cycle begins anew. Um, I also do want to note before moving on to reading out the forum post, the two posts we have, uh, I am, as I mentioned earlier on, feeling a bit sick. I did manage to catch an, an illness that's been going around this house. Uh, I have a cold and a cough at the same time. Okay. Um, so if I do sound a bit different for whatever reason, now you know. So uh, please, please excuse that. I've been trying to take honey water to try to mitigate it a bit, but it's, you know, it, will, it can only do so much. It doesn't work miracles. Honey, Honey is magical, but not that magical. Um, yeah, so I guess round it off, I want to go to the forum post. You know, the one I put out last week that had no had no replies on it about potential changes with the music and stuff. Um, it had no post on it last week, but now this week we got two two posts in by um, two of our most active listeners. We have a well, also on the we, there's like a trifecta because there's one that comments as well a lot more called Midnight Crew. He, he comments on the actual videos. Uh, actual ent- episode entries and Yotaro Vegeta is kind of the email guy and he does a bit of everything and then Zaldera's like forums so the first one is by Zaldera and it's uh, about the music so it says eh, in what appears to be tradition where I am the first person to bother answering I would say that the format of the show is fine as is but that's just my opinion I don't mind having in- no intro music but it is weird and annoying that you are getting DMCA claims now, when the show has been around for ages, and other shows I listen to have done more egregious things with regards to the music. So that was Zaldera's post about that. Um, and then Yotaro jo- uh, joins in with, uh, I think that, selfishly, it's good to have music from the anime that's being discussed in the episode. It's fun to figure out where the song comes from, and it's fun to hear music that might have... 
forgotten. That I that I might have forgotten. I guess this has become a real pain if it has to be released on the podcast. So I think the best solution has already been mentioned on the podcast. Covers. If we can't have the original music, we can at least have some chip tunes, an instrumental only cover, etc. Is it also possible that you can play a smaller sample of music that doesn't trigger DMCA takedowns? So mm-hmm. that's to Vegeta chiming in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I I know there's a thing you can do with like pitch shifting, but uh, I don't know about like how much that would change the original song, and I don't know if that's maybe a bit too inconvenient to do that for every episode. Yeah, that would just be a little bit annoying because then that would be more editing that I'd have to do on top of just downloading the song and changing the file format. I'd also have to alter it. I could speed it up, slow it down, but then it doesn't sound right. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like when you get a font, a typeface on a on a computer, and you you know you want to make it bold, but you artificially do it by just increasing the stroke around it. That's not really bold, and it's actually like. It ruins the font. It's kind of like that, but in music form. Um, kind of like uh, with what, what Zaldera was saying about um, other shows doing more egregious things. That is true. I, I have seen other, you know, other much more egregious examples of copyright infringement that actually is copyright infringement that they get away with. But I think this has still kind of ties to what I mentioned about how um, the music itself is such a big part uh, you know, it depends on what aspect is being like up for debate. Uh, anime companies are usually quite protective of the music in particular. You know, I was mentioning how Crunchyroll sometimes doesn't even get permission to subtitle the openings, apparently, because the original people who make the music, you have to get permission not just from the anime company, but from the people who do the music. So I guess anime music itself is just a very murky waters sort of area, I guess, which is why this is such a issue but hey if people still have um any like any posts to make i will forward them over uh to joseph if there are any like again chiptune covers or original music that are not copyright infringing um still feel free to post those yeah yeah indeed yeah pretty much it all right then let us move on into our into our uh industry news And like last week, we'll be doing a sandwich here, so I'll kick mm-hmm. things off with a uh, a bit of an update. So last week, I talked about a uh, trap, a cross-dressing male in Japan who was found out by his friend. Mm-hmm. And the response it got, and, you know, the, uh, you know, wishing them well, kind of like that kind of thing. Well, the... F- response to this whole thing has blown into such a proportion that a uh, Twitter user and I'd say Dojin uh, creator actually drew up a few pages um, for a fake Dojin uh, parody (laughs) based on the internet phenomenon Mm -hmm. that's happening uh, titled There's No Way My Friend Can Be This Cute. And uh, (laughs) he's the one who actually did the manga page uh, previously, that had the uh-huh. four coma style to it, and oh, right. uh, 
in the new page to follow up to that one, he actually had another one that came out where the friend decides to dress up in kind of a business suit look, uh, saying, like, mm-hmm. like, you know, if he sees me in this masculine outfit, there will be no way he'll go out with me. But then uh, the friend sees um, sees his cross-dressing friend dressed up in this, you know, perfectly fitted blazer and trousers and an unbuttoned upper shirt and says, like, how did you know my favorite female type office ladies are the best? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. It really does feel very, yeah. When you put it like that, it really does seem like this is, we are watching an anime in motion here. Yeah, and uh, mm. the uh, response to this creator has been generally very positive. In fact, the person who started the whole thing, the trap himself, has come forward and thanked the, uh, I'll call him the mangaka, for yep. creating these, uh, these pages and mm-hmm. thanking, for, thanking him for going to all the trouble to draw them. A1 Pictures has already expressed interest in adapting this. Yes. <laughs> yes, this will be this will be a pretty very progressive um step for for anime if we have one that's a a boys love anime featuring a character who is, you know, very feminine but like just like cross-dressing and then like they start to open up to the fact that hey, maybe you know, like, my friend likes me, and then they start going out, and, ah, oh, that'd be nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it did come out, would you watch that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I watched one boys love anime, which was called, uh, jeez, what was it, Golden Time? Um, Golden Time. Boys love anime. What was it called? Oh, uh, okay, I see it here. Oh, Love Stage. Love Stage. Not heard of this one. Love Stage. Love Stage okay. with three exclamation points. Mm-hmm. So basically in this one, back in the day, a very effeminate um, boy was asked to, or was subbed in for a female uh, actress, a child female actress ah. who wasn't there that day because she, mm. I guess she didn't get, she just wasn't around. So he was subbed in, he was dressed up like a girl, and she, he played the role of the flower girl. And ah. later on, the uh, studio behind that decided to do a follow-up to it where those two actually were getting married, where the flower ah. girl and the ring boy were getting married. And, of course, you know, the whole family is full of very beautiful people, and uh, the... The our main character ends up uh, having to cross dress again, and f- you know plays along for the most part until eventually he gets found out. But then there's this whole thing about how the other character, who's this very famous actor, um, yeah, very very handsome, has fallen for him and has basically been like, you know what? It doesn't matter if you're a girl or a guy, you're still hot. And they, mm. they go all the way in the anime. They actually have sex. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. Um, so would you say, does that mean that this was sort of, this was good enough where it kind of made you bend your rule a little bit about like, because they're all technically the same gender in this show. And you usually avoid ones that are single gender as the main cast. It tricked cast. me. So, hmm? 
it tricked me. Originally, yeah, oh, I thought it was a female character. Ah. I thought it was a reverse so. harem. And I was like, oh, it's going to be a reverse harem. No, it was not that. But I had already gotten into it, and like I was like already enjoying it enough. I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. It's a trap character. Because, mm. and this is just me, but I consider mm-hmm. traps to be their own gender. Not right. like to be the gender they're based upon or the gender that they subscribe to, but like their own individualized gender. So like they've <laughs> actually made the joke before with Hideyoshi or Hideyoshi. Hideyoshi from Back at the Test. That's what I was yeah, thinking. Of. Like they, yeah, he yeah. goes to the bathroom and there are three different <laughs> ones. There's male, female, and Hideyoshi. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I see. So you, so you kind of like in your mind, you kind of can. Put it put it in a sort of different slot, and therefore you're able to kind of. It's sort of like having a mixed gender show, in a way, because there's kind of like this other gray area, where it's not just four guys technically. Uh, technically, right, and and they're not a transgender character because they're just cross dressing. They're still all man under yeah. all of that. You under know. the yeah, and so it doesn't really like work with me when they're like oh you know you could just make them to be out like transgender or something it's like no nah, i don't really consider them that i consider them their own category mm. is so, that me forcing uh, my... i guess advancing on that actually wait if, yeah? if they were if the character let's say the character was transgender would that still would that come across as a mixed gender show then because of that i don't i haven't seen an anime that focused on a transgendered character that you know had male or was like uh you know was going from male to female or female to male yeah yeah i guess it's really it is really touched upon actually i think about it can't think of an example either yeah i mean i've Mm. seen them they are characters in anime but they're never the main character yeah i was gonna say i can think of side characters that are transgender just not main characters yeah yep true hmm Good for thought. So, yeah, so this was definitely an interesting update to the, uh, the little saga. Mm. And uh, mm-hmm. we haven't really seen where if it's, you know, been going anywhere. Or if, you know, the uh, the Dojin creator has decided to go any further with it. Even though he said uh, that, like, you know, I'm not going to make this a real Dojin. You know, because it's based upon a real person. And you probably yeah. wouldn't want to make it without their permission. Not that yeah, the exactly. person hasn't yeah. already, you know, said, like, you know, thank you for writing these. This is, like, super cool. But um, yeah. I'd still like to see if there's anything to the uh, the friend um, who, you know, messaged back saying, like, you know, go out with me and I'll shut up about it. Which, uh-huh. still, not the best way to word it, but at the same time, I'd still like to see where it went from there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do want to know if it actually developed into something bigger or something or... Hopefully, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have to hear, you know, wouldn't have to hear any stories about it going south in any negative yeah. way either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. So uh, that was mine. First one. What do you got for us? Okay. The uh, first one I have is about a um, Japanese anime fan tweets that his girlfriend has stolen his anime goods and sold them off. So, yeah. Basically, 23-year-old Japanese woman has actually been taken into custody after uh, her boy- boyfriend reported that his anime goods had been stolen and she is became the prime suspect after which 
So the woman had been living with a 49-year-old uh, Twitter user by the name of Wak Wak Wakazia Wakazia. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had moved in after quitting her job, and she needed to vacate the company accommodation she was with. Um, and saw that Wakazia was a large um, fan of the medium. He had like a large collection of limited edition Blu-rays and DVD box sets um, displayed, you know, on a bookshelf, uh, which is also in the enclosed tweet pictures. Uh, but eventually, he started to notice gaps in his collection. And he contacted the police on the 24th of November about them being stolen. His girlfriend initially denied this and said that it was just an acquaintance that she'd brought over that was responsible. But then she has later admitted to stealing items which amounted to about 90,000 yen in total, which is almost nine American dollars. Uh, The items were sold to a local branch of Geo, a store which buys used anime goods. And um, apparently she's stolen because she didn't have any money, which I guess matches because she was out of the job, I guess, and had to move in with him. Um, so yeah, you can later on, he tweeted out the pictures, which show the gaps in his um, in his collection. And sadly, the story doesn't have a happy ending because the stolen goods have been recovered, but remain as evidence. I guess it also doesn't really matter either way because, you know, a lot of um, the value of these collector's items is in their pristine condition. And it has been confirmed that these limited abo- uh, edition boxes have have been opened um, either by the girlfriend, store personnel, or the people who bought them, or the police even. So with that, even the value of his um, items has already sort of been tarnished by this whole, world, whole ordeal, even if he got them back. So, you know, there's there's that story. What do you think? I think that it's pretty terrible. I mean, I don't yeah. have any like things that are like, oh, pristine, unopened condition kind of stuff that I'd be mm-hmm. worried about losing. I mean, I'd be super upset if like a uh, girlfriend or a friend of mine stole my brand new computer or something like that. Um, but, mm. you know, if like I came home one day and all of my manga and all of my figurines were gone. I could still mm-hmm. live on with my lives, but eight hundred dollars. Let's see here, eight hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If they stole all of my manga and all of my figurines, um, and all the art off my walls, it probably would come to close to a thousand dollars. So, yeah, so yeah, not not a small amount, and it's not just that, I suppose, but just the manner in which you know he just noticed they had gone missing. You know, it's not even like. He argued, or like there was any. No, he didn't know it about didn't... it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, she was just criminal in this sense. Like they were, you know, he mm-hmm. was being the. I don't want to say he was being the nice guy because there was probably more to the relationship than him just letting her live there with him. There was yeah. probably some return on her end. Um, oh yeah, mm-hmm. and that's why she wanted out of the relationship as quickly as possible. But we haven't heard that side of the story yet. All we know is that she eventually just confess to stealing the stuff yeah Mm -hmm. just obviously weren't as valuable to her as they were to him um man it's it's interesting the wow i just realized the the age gap is actually really big it's 26 as well so maybe i don't know yeah although if he was actually just giving her a place to stay and he wasn't actually getting any reciprocation out of it then she's Mm -hmm. even a bigger piece of shit than 
Um, oh. Mm-hmm. Anything yeah. else? Because she just, you know, she took him up on his offer to, you know, basically keep her with a roof over her head and probably food in her mouth. But then she decided to be like, oh, I'm going to get some money, too. Yeah. By yeah. stealing and selling off his stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. Laws of the law. It's, it's akin to highway robbery that, yeah. I've actually had this uh, scenario come up before where oh. I've talked about it with my father, um, where I've, I make up these weird scenarios sometimes. And one of them was, what would you do if you're at home one day? And let's say like, it's my father and I, so basically we own the house. And the, you hear like a knock at the door, or the doorbell ring. And for you, let's say you're at your new house alone, like you're living on your own. And a, like, uh, in my scenario, it was a, a girl and her, like, you know, little girl showed up at the door. And uh, after they uh, talked to you for a little bit and you kind of, like, let them in, you spoke to them for a while, it came to uh, learn that they were runaways and that they had, like, abusive parents or something like that that they were running away from and that they were hungry and they were cold and tired and stuff like that and they just wanted a place to, like, stay and so, like, you were the first place that they checked out, and, you know, it was like, well, what would you do? And so, from my, hmm. of course, my father was like, you know, he was like, oh, I'll report them to the police. And then, in my case, I was like, well, I wouldn't do that because the parents would then come take them, and then they'd get abused even more. And maybe there'd be no proof, and, the, you know, the whole legal process to prove that kind of bullshit takes forever. And in the yeah. meantime, they're still being abused, and they're still being hurt. So I'd mm-hmm. just keep my mouth shut and I'd be like, okay, you have a place to stay. Mm. Um, in this scenario, do you have solid proof that the abuse is real? So, like, do you as well, as like, when she comes to the door, does she prove to you that she's actually been abused, like, as well? Or, she, I mean, or, you know, because maybe she's, you know, not necessarily telling the truth for the reasons behind her runaway and maybe, like... I'm gullible enough to just believe a, a girl who's, like, bringing along her little sister. And, you know, maybe she could even show me, like, oh, look, these are my arms and my back that were bruised. And, like, oh, if it was definitely something that was, like, look at, you know, like, the back here, and, like, she was, like, whipped or something like that or beaten, and it was very obvious, like, okay, there's no way she could have inflicted these on herself, then, yes, I could definitely be like, all right, yeah, I'm not saying a single word about uh, you being here. Mm -hmm. Um and that might get me in trouble later, but I feel like yeah. I'm doing the right thing. Not necessarily the legal thing, but the right thing. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I'd have to take on a... I would really... I'd take on a case-by-case basis. If, if possible, I would like to learn as much as I could over time, but then eventually I probably wouldn't alert some sort of authority behind it. And then I would probably make it my own personal business to try and check up and make sure as well that a good solution has been kind of, you know, made behind the thing as a result. But, you know, that takes a lot of time, depending on where they are. She could have, she could have yeah, fled I mean, multiple states away. What so. I could do at that point was after I had them invited, or if, quote, invited into my house and then let them stay there, I could have hired, like, a private investigator, gotten the names of the parents, and then investigated yeah. them to see whether or not they were abusive or they were bad parents. If it turned yeah. out that was true, then I could provide that evidence to the police, Provide it to, like, you know, um, foster cares and stuff like that. And then maybe Mm -hmm. I might have been able – 
I might have even able been able to go in and like adopt them back and just be like, I took care of you for a while. You kind of trust me, you know, like you definitely know that like your parents were abusive and whatnot, but let's go through the legal process to make this a legal binding thing instead of just me like, yeah, you can stay here. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be the, yeah. I think that's probably the most, uh, yeah. Because there are plenty of organizations out there that are, like, non-for-profit that will definitely give you that kind of device where you can go to them and say, like, so I know you won't report any of this back to the cops or anything like that, but I just want to talk to you about what's been going on. I need some help in resolving the situation. And there are Mm. plenty of people out there that will basically like, all right, you have my solemn oath. I will not tell anyone. Go ahead. Tell me what's going on. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be probably the first port of call. After, of course, you have fed them and made sure that they're settled in as well. Yeah, cause, right. Yeah, fed, goes got safe. them a warm bed, mm. bath, that yeah. kind of thing. Mm. Make sure they know they're safe first, and then, yeah. Then you then you need to be the adult in the room, because obviously they're not the adult. So. Right. Uh, so, yeah. that does it for yours. So let's go on to my last piece of news here, which is also about manga. So the manga creator uh, Shinsuke Inoue got a shock recently when his editor called him up uh, about his manga Shoujo Kirishidan X Night Tale or Night Girl Nights X Night Tale. Uh, so the latest chapter of the series debuted in January of 2018 in the issue of Kodan- uh, Kodakawa's Denki Gi. G's comic magazine on Thursday. And Inoue had been working forward to creating more and contributing to the manga into the future. However, he revealed on Twitter that on the same day that his manga uh, went out, the uh, manga will actually conclude in the third book. Inoue then pasted a three-page manga that revealed the conversation he had with this editor. The editor began by conversing to him that the series had a lot of enthusiastic fans, and his was, his work was actually received very positively by reviews from the editorial department. And then Inoue then expected his editor to give him good news, such as being able to you know work on expanded into multimedia franchise like an anime. However, the editor then informed him that due to inadequate sales, the series will end in the third volume. Oh. Yeah, so I know he was actually pretty taken aback by it. He said that he had so much more work to do on the series. He talked about a new character he was going to be introducing. and But even after all that, the editor still said the series has to be canceled. He clarified that he doesn't think the manga is boring, but the numbers ultimately decide everything. Inoue then ended his short cancellation announcement manga by asking any publishers and editors who read his tweets to see the value in his work, who see the value in his work, to let him know, if possible, if they'd like to, you know, bring him on to uh, Mm -hmm. uh, have the manga published through a different magazine or even to reboot the entire series from a fresh Mm get-go. Oh. That's really sad news to hear, um, especially concerning the fact that they said he had good reviews and everything uh, yep. to begin with. Hmm. I've just and looked up right now, I've never heard of it personally. Yeah, he does uh, say that numbers, um, he does agree that numbers are everything, um, and he mm-hmm. understands that publishers can't take on projects that will become financial burdens. 
but he and he says he doesn't blame his publisher or editor for their decision to cancel the manga based on monetary concerns. Yeah, uh, this was of course. Uh, this was actually a guy who uh, uh, did an adaptation of uh, Heavy Object. Oh, did he? Which, huh. uh, did the manga of it? Yeah. Or something. Yeah, he did it from 2009 to 2011. Ah, I see. Oh. I, I'm trying to find a blurb cuffs. for this, but, you know, any place I look online doesn't seem to have a quick blurb for me to read. Yeah, this you know actually comes on the uh, cusp of uh, another manga, Chi to Hai to... Uh, Chito Haino Joel, or Queen of Blood and Ash, or Killing Vampire, uh, uh-huh. manga creator Hajime Bako issued a Twitter plea in September to fans to buy more compiled volumes of his work to prevent its cancellation, which actually ended up working. So mm-hmm. uh, there may be a potential that in the future, the uh, manga may, or well, you know, pretty soon the manga may be picked up by some other publisher. Oh, okay. Well, I wish them all the best. Um, I will probably give it a look just to see, like, whether or not I think personally if it's like, oh, this is this is an absolute travesty that it got cancelled uh, so far, at least. Or I mean, I mean, uh, just like you, I've not seen or heard yeah. anything about this manga. Um, the cover art of Pay or Volume Number One has a sailor uniform schoolgirl on it with a. Uh, Looks to be like a broadsword, wearing yep. uh, heavy metal gauntlets and holding a crusader helmet under her arm. <laughs> yes, goes hand in hand. So yeah, I'm yeah. not exactly sure what it's about. Um, it kind of feels like this could either be like, you know, Sasuke was just an ordinary man until the transfer student <laughs> came in, and she was actually a knight from another country. That's why she has silver hair, and she can transform. Using her nightlight powers, she fights evil during the night. Or it could mm-hmm. just be like, you know, a girl's manga where it's like a bunch of girls in all knight's armor, and they're, they're magical night girls or something like that. I don't know. It just looks like it would either go either way, but, uh, you know, maybe. Maybe yeah. uh, it will get picked up by someone. Well, like all really great manga, it does start off with a Pretty explicit groping scene on the train. Oh yeah? Just just, <laughs> just, just, just to mention, it starts off with a pretty it's pretty graphic here. I guess, oh yes it does have the Oh man, yeah, okay, yeah. Pretty what a what a way to start off. Holy crap. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no no. No, it's definitely interesting to hear that okay, so it, does it look like they have a main male character or is it start out with like, oh it's focused on her getting groped? It's focused on her. Um, oh, okay. Her, you know, it ends of her wishing for a knight to come save her, and then, oh, then a knight comes, and I, I think the knight's probably going to be, yeah, the knight's probably going to be a skilled girl, I think. Oh, yeah. okay, so it's just a bunch of girls. All right. I think so. Or it like, be I like bet Sailor the, Moon, the one of actually a guy. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Yeah, because the twist here like is that an actual mask. knight in shining armor has now just saved her on the train and I bet that it will be revealed that that night is actually a schoolgirl or something as well it could also be like the that they have to actually protect a prince <laughs> and it's like this prince is like this really handsome guy who falls in love with her mm, mm. yeah 
But who knows? <laughs> I'll have to give it another a, a much longer look, I guess. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. But, oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a lady. Oh, it's definitely a girl. Yeah, right. it might be Yuri. I don't know. Ooh. Okay, then it, I'll just back might... away slowly and be like, all right, that's yeah. not my fetish. Because then it goes to like a big title, because it goes to a big title page and all the characters are girls on it. Okay, yeah, all right. I'll, uh, I'll skip that one. Skip Sorry yeah. there, Mr. Night Girl manga creator, but. <laughs> Yuri's not my not my bag of not my bag of chips. No, afraid not. Um, okay. Oh. All right. I believe right. that does it for our industry news. So let's go on into our reviews. With my first review. Which will be of Oksama ga Setokaicho Season 2. So I've already done the Season 1 volume. And in Season 1 we got introduced to the silly plot of an anime that had a totally uncensored version airing alongside its censored version. This was an anime that was practically hentai. Or at least two steps behind it. In Season 2 continues to push the envelope for what is acceptable to broadcast totally uncensored. But while season one felt refreshing, this season just felt like they were doing it to pander to the fans. The overall plot becomes less important, as the etchy factor has risen. Mm. Season two was more of an episode-by-episode type anime, covering different events that arise and showing how the cast reacts to those events. Sadly, Mm -hmm. I've read Dojin and H manga with more interesting plot lines since the first season, meaning season two falls pretty flat. For those of you who weren't around since the beginning, Oksamaga Setokaichu follows the interactions between a high school kid named Hayato and his newly announced wife to be, Ui. Ui is also the newly elected student council president a position that she uses to make the school more open to relationships, love, and, of course, sex. Hayato serves on her council as vice president, having lost the election against her to be president, hijinks ensue. Now, normally in these type of romantic comedies, the male is either a dense idiot or lacks a pair of what are known as balls. Hayato is not this type of man. He shows restraint, but Ui's pushing and teasing usually tips him over the edge more than once, and the two usually end up performing some heavy petting, making out, or are caught just about to go all the way. Yes, cock blocks are sadly present in the series. These blocks are performed by the other two girls on the council, the head of the disciplinary committee, the school nurse, and in this season, the president of the photography, uh, photography, photography club. <laughs> Don't worry too much, though. The blockings are pretty far and few between. Thankfully, this season didn't include the same drama from the first, as it would seem that Ui has mostly accepted the fact her husband-to-be is sought after by multiple women. She still gets annoyed when she finds out he has been doing other things with the other girls, especially the head of the disciplinary committee who shares a rivalry with Ui. 
However, Uli agrees on multiple occasions to allow her friends to quote-unquote borrow Hayato. Giving me the impression that Hayato and Ui's relationship is going to be pretty open so long as the women ask Ui first. Heck, even Ui's mother had some fun with Hayato in season one. Though she doesn't make the same showing this season. Probably had to do with the fact with Ui's mother looking like a grade schooler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was that kind of character. <laughs> yeah. So... If you're in the market for an anime that doesn't shy away from showing full-on boobage, touching, and inappropriate regions of the body, erotic French kissing, and the occasional erotic comedy moment, then you'll probably be satisfied with Oksama. If you're wanting more in the way of actual plot, then I suggest giving How to Build a Dungeon and Remonster a read. Both are manga, available here in the States as well as online, that don't shy away from sex and have some pretty interesting stories. The animation behind this one was Studio 7, same guys behind animation in I My Me, Dana Ga Nani o Oreteru Ka Wakana Ken, and Inugani san to Nekuyomi san. <laughs> They're the ones who did the animating here, and I'd have to say, on the scale, it was average to subpar on the side of things. But given how short it was, I find that level of animation acceptable. The voice acting, it still surprises me that Ayana Teketsua, or Teketatsu, same actress who voiced Kirino Kosaka from Oraimo and Lifa from Sword Art Online, actually was the voice behind Ui. Such a popular actress taking on such a small role, it really must be a tough time for voice actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my favorite character. Last season, this award went to Ui's mother, but this time around, I'm giving it to the girl who came in second place last season, Ayane Nikura. A bit of a ditz, Ayane is the secretary for the student council. She often dresses up in frilly outfits with bunny ears and a choker, and in this season, she takes on more of a large role as she quote-unquote borrows Hayate for, or Hayato for a day. Uh, This date is tame for the most part, but Ayane suggests multiple times during the date she wants to experience the full thing. When Ui, who was spying on the two, interrupts the date, Ayane suggests the three of them have a threesome at the closest love hotel. Now that's a girl I can get behind, if you catch a drift. (laughs) (laughs) So, Uh. the second season of Oksamaga Setokaicho I'm going to be giving a heavy, mm, heavy, damn it. You know, I'll do it. I'll give it a heavy Netflix, very high tier Netflix, Netflix, but not, not like last season, which was a bit better, which was still crackers. This season falls down into Netflix, still very high, but. Just Netflix. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's dropped the ball just slightly. Yeah. Mm. Can you think of anything that it could have done to to elevate itself a bit more? Give it more progress Better plot, or something? Uh, f- focus more on uh, 
relationship building between the characters instead of just like you know like oh he's grabbing her boobs while wow, they're really getting into it oh here comes this here comes the disciplinary girl oh she walked in on them uh wacky hijinks let's go uh, yes. to a hot spring wacky hijinks let's go to the beach wacky hijinks like i don't mm-hmm. want that what i want to see is relationship building and then reaching a point where it's like okay they had sex now they're going to move on from that point. Right. Well, the problem mm-hmm. is, what happens with a lot of these part. mangas and animes, the mangaka or animator hasn't had sex, so they don't know. Yeah, <laughs> they don't know where I, to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because, like, the romance doesn't just end there, you know, at the hooking up part. <laughs> the romance, as we've said multiple times, goes on after that. So it'd really be interesting, you know, it'd be a unique selling point as well as creators for them to really delve more into what happens after you've done hooking up a bit more actually yeah and they they got that in a few of the in the mangas like a couple of animes I've seen like they had that uh, what was that one Zero Zero Children uh, that one you reviewed there was that one but there was a Tazaruzi children? No, that's there was the one. another one that was about um I forget what it was. It was like a husband and wife couple and was, animation was very sub you know, very light. Um but it was like something well, about I don't the understand husband what, was very otaku. I don't understand what my husband is saying. Yes, yes. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. in the very first episode, like in the very beginning of it, it's like they get married and then they have sex. Yeah. Mm. And then they move on. And then there's stuff afterwards. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, oh. it can be done. Yeah, I'd like to see that done as a little bit more, you know. Come on, light novelists and mangaka, you can, you can do it. Get out there and explore. Alright, well that does it for my review. How about yours? Okay. Right, um, so today I'm going to be reviewing an anime that released this year called uh, Recreators. Uh, warning, uh, a slight butchering of some foreign pronunciations just ahead. So the light novel, LN, or natively Ranobe, or Ranobe being a, oh, here's a, here's a pronunciation mishap, uh, Wase Ego, which is a Japanese term that is comprised of English words, um, are 50,000 word publications printed on A6 that are typically targeted at the young adult demographic. Uh, despite the amount of text being comparable to that of a standard Western novel, there are a few things that differentiate them in the medium. For one, light novels consistently feature anime-style illustrations on both the cover and in several parts of the book. Uh, they are sometimes released chapter by chapter as anthologies for magazines just like uh, manga and are actually the prime source adaptation for manga and anime and sometimes other fields such as film. While my experience with the medium is pretty light on its own, having never read a one to full completion, I do more often than not feel its impact on, the actual, on my actual passion, that being anime. Uh, I have light novels to thank for some of my favourite shows, from Haruhi to A Certain Scientific Railgun, Bakano, and Rokyo Boo. But the medium is also behind an ocean of mediocre shows, and some pretty bad ones, like that one that I'm trying not to... I'm trying to go a podcast without mentioning. Um, 
You ever seen the movie Last Action Hero, uh, Joseph? Last Action Hero. It sounds very familiar. Yeah, it's a Arnold Schwarzenegger film. You you know, it's, it's kind yeah, of old it's okay. now. Yeah, okay, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically, Recreators is basically that, but with uh, light novel characters. So basically like, oh, there's the real world, and then there's the fiction world, and then the worlds are going to meet each other. So in this one, all the fictional characters come out of the light novels and come into our world, basically. Not all of them, but some select ones. Um... We we start off with the from the perspective of the wimpy kid. Actually, that's also kind of similar to Last Action Hero. This one's worse though. Called um, Sota, uh, we see him being sucked into a fantasy world, and he sees like a big special fight happening in front of him. And then he gets taken back to our world, but he's brought the female protagonist from a story with him. Um, before you know it, the characters from other stories uh, start appearing all over the place, and even some video games, and they all represent different archetypes that. The medium has already beaten to death, so you have like the magical girl, you have the princely knight type, uh, mm-hmm. there's a rough-looking detective, the, the list kind of goes on. They, they cover pretty much everything. There's like a shonen-type character, there's like a character from a dating sim. Um, besides the chaos that ensues from when fictional characters discover that they are in fact fiction, such as what, such as what happens when they literally meet their makers, the overarching narrative revolves around a, special, a certain character called... Oh, here it comes... Gunpuku no Himegimi, Himegimi, a silver-haired army regalia-clad girl who seems to be orchestrating the events throughout the anime, and how and people seem to not know where she is from as a creation as well as like who created her. So there's there's the central mystery that's overarching the whole thing. To summarize, it is up to Sota, the creators and their various creations, to put a stop to whatever nefarious plot is at play, and bring balance to the force. So the first thing that stood out to me when watching the show is that it is presented pretty damn well on pretty much all fronts. On the sound side of things, the music, especially the tracks that punctuate the action scenes, add to the side of the anime that is trying to be over-the-top epic, and the actors' performances, at least from what I can tell, are trying to make something of the script. Now, on the side of things that I'm much uh, more comfortable with analysing the visual presentation, it's also pretty top-notch. The art style is very nice and clean, the character designs are attractive, and the animation reaches very impressive at times. It very much is a 2017 anime. I don't even mean that there's great examples of key animation to be found here, though that does help. But what I'm meaning is that the action itself is very cohesive. You can actually see what's going on a lot of times. On average, light novel shows can either feature that have the action tag fit into one of two categories. <laughs> either... The action is kind of stilted, where it might as well be a turn-based RPG with like a menu on screen, with like the characters taking turns to do something, with no real flair. Um, or the other opposite extreme, where yes, there is indeed movement going on, but it's a bunch of incomprehensible lights and sounds that simulate what an exciting scene is supposed to be without actually being it. I'm happy to report that Recreators suffers neither of these hiccups, and that the 24 episodes of this show keep a constant level of quality, even during the dialogue-heavy scenes. So overall, the presentation is praiseworthy for what looks like a relatively young studio called Troika, that has only handled three franchises that I can note here. Uh, two series of Aldnoa Zero, a male idol show, and an anime I think you previously reviewed with Roxas Lampro- Lamp. Lamprouge. Lamprouge? Lamprouge? Is that. <laughs> I can't remember. Yep. Yeah. Roxas Lamprouge called. Um, oh boy. Sakurako san no Ashimoto ni washitai ga umateru. 
that was a previous that was one of the shows they've also worked on so they haven't worked on that many so for this being maybe like their fifth franchise or whatever um it's pretty well done i have to say they're really up and coming um the second thing that struck me is uh and this is probably the biggest point of discussion is just how well done the characters are for the sake of keeping this review brief, I'll try to speak as broadly as I can by splitting them first into two categories, that being the fictional people and the real people. One thing that this show does really well is fleshing out the characters that come from different types of light novels. Sure, they may seem cliché, archetypical representations of their genres they are from, but given the context of the story where the characters are from different universes and they all converge at one, in the same way a fighting game often features exaggerated larger-than-life characters, because of the lack of emphasis on story, um, it kind of works in this show too, for them to be those sorts of archetypes. If that was all, there was, there was, and there was no um, fictional type people in the show, then that would be one thing. I, ha- um, I expected them to be this, you know, these sort of stereotypes and that alone, but um, like for instance, I expected Celestia, the red-haired main character girl that comes with Sota back to the real world at the start. I expected her to be this like hot-headed, like stereotypical Sundari archetype, um, mm-hmm. and then everyone else to be these kind of very basic, easy pre- to predict sort of like, oh, this is the tough guy character. This character's the the deadpan character and stuff like that. But they actually kind of do a good job and actually making them subvert your expectations, and they really adapt and learn from the scenarios around them. Um, the best thing about recreators is how these aspects of the show kind of defies what you're expecting. For instance, I expected a lot of jokes and distractions to be based off of like the fish out of waters type stories where like, oh, they're in our world and they don't understand how things work, you know, and that would be the joke. But those are kind of kept as side details to the story while the actual main story stays focused. I expected a lot of like existential emo bullshit about the characters feeling like their existence is meaningless. And while some do it, uh, it's balanced out by other characters moving on and adapting, where they, where, like, for the first example, uh, by the halfway point, Celestia, um, the, a character from a fantasy world, has taken time off screen to get a driver's license, and everyone is noticeably more accustomed to living in our world. Uh, one last example is I also expected that the authorities, that when the authorities noticed the whole thing would blow up and, like, about the fictional characters and all the collateral damage. And they would end up battling against the military and there'd be this like evil cartoon government official uh, villain who wouldn't listen to reason. But you know what really happens? Uh, instead, they launch a thought-out investigation and once they understand the situation, they begin working with the creators and the creations uh, that are willing to side with them to eventually setting up a department for countermeasures. So there's no double-crossing, no biological experimenting or conspiracy theories. Uh, on the creations, or trying to harness the fictional world's power for military gain. You know, just people recognizing a problem and dealing with it in a rational way. So this is like, this kind of feel is found throughout the show, and it's actually kind of refreshing. It makes the story and characters feel very, well, not very real, but more real, as they follow an established sense of logic, while ironically tackling a subject that tends to have very little. What I mean is that light novels, uh, while light novels have some really great and bad anime adaptations over the years, there's a large mass of them that are just redundant distractions. I can't help but feel that the illustrations are the main causes for the success of some series, because at least out of the two light novels I've read, they're not exactly high-class literature. It's like with kids uh, kids shows. Sure, part of their purpose can be to sell toys, but they can also still be good shows on their own. A lot of light novels that get adapted don't feel like that. From the illustrations to the tropes, they aren't constructed to be good stories. They uh, that uh, 
that may get adapted. They're constructed with the kind of lowest common denominator bullshit ways for the express purpose of getting adapted into an anime and being a franchise. From the mm-hmm. meticulous written fan service scenes that are redundant because they're accompanied by an illustration to just general lapses in logic that ruin the story flow. Uh, actually, I remember uh, watching Heavy Object, a show you just mentioned a, a little while back, uh, where one minute, Quinther Barbatage, still the most stupid anime name ever, is exchanging fire with enemy soldiers, and next thing you know, they all stop caring about their lives to look at some cute penguins. Now, it's supposed to be a comedic moment, but it is A, not that funny, and B, isn't worth dropping all the tension the show has for it anyway. Yeah, I digressed a lot, but to take home point of Recreators is that it doesn't have this issue overall. It keeps itself grounded in its tone, and the fan service in general doesn't tend to pause the flow of the show. So with the real people, besides the one government official lady, the cast largely consists of the creators, either the writers, the illustrators, or in some cases they do both. Now I was a little concerned going in on how they were going to portray these people, whether they're going to be glorified or something, probably because I'm admittedly biased uh, on my viewpoint about their medium that they work in. Still, Mm -hmm. while there is no doubt a little bit of fellation is at play here, um when they convey how highly passionate these and artistic these people are uh, when they're brought to tears by their own creations. It didn't feel like they went too overboard with it until maybe like the end, just a tad. Um, now, nah, for the most pi- part, the types of creators on display here are just as varied and in appearance and personalities as the fictional characters they allegedly create. There's some weird thoughts that come to mind when the guy behind the creation of a dating sim girl is acting more like a light novel character than the actual light novel characters, but you could pass that off as a reality is stranger than fiction sort of point, so um, I I don't know, maybe it was intentional. I don't know. Um, Now this show does have some flaws, and one serious flaw holding it back though. Uh, The central, central story, looking past the fun scenarios and action it causes, is about the silver-haired, military-dressed girl and overall stopping this event of fictional characters coming into our world. Well, the main thing is that that part of the story can be kind of weak because of how much of it is tied to our main character, who I've been saving up until now uh, to talk about in depth. See, in this podcast, I have referred to many characters as sweet-ass pussy little bitches. But if I were to give out a yearly award for the position of, like, sweet-ass pussy little bitch of the year, I think it has to go to Sota from Recreators. Unlike the aspects of the show that actually impressed me, Sota and his arc are pretty much everything I expected. He is an aspiring light novelist slash illustrator that, at the start, is experiencing writer's block because of a maybe kind of due to a past trauma of his. Do you think his past trauma will be related to everything that this sh- that that's happening in this story, and that's why he's going to be important? Of course you do, and you're right. He is brought in because this one thread of importance and everybody treats him like he needs to be around because of it. This wouldn't be a problem if he was likeable, but oh boy, prepare for 24 episodes of this guy sniveling and crying in self-pity. Even when I heard his tragic past, I thought, big deal, now go make the real characters some coffee while they actually get shit done. His involvement in the tragedy is minor as well. It's just like the self-important little loser like him to think he's responsible for anything significant. Not, uh, there's actually a light novel character um, called Megani later on that actually does point him out on his, like, calls him out on his hypocrisy too. Not only are the actual creators of the story people who are actually successful in the industry, 
supportive of him, despite of him actually achieving very little. But even the creations themselves that are nice uh, are nice when they really just when really he needed somebody to just slap the emo out of him. It's the counterpoint to having some really good characters in this show, like it generally has. It makes weak sauce characters like Zolta look dumb, and yet he's the still the pivotal character, the anchor to the story, as it were. Seriously, there's like a scene where one of the characters who owns a giant robot is flying him around, and not once does Sota think cool or anything. He's just like scared, and like, but you're inside a giant like holodeck like cockpit, and he can't help but like be scared. And all these like other cool anime characters are around him, and he still can't help but look like he's like crying and sniffling. Still, it's just ugh, this guy. He apparently just only watches also anime for inspiration for his like novels, so you know he's got a real original like creator's mind behind him. Like he's like, if you think about it, light novels are like sometimes or a lot of the time created to for the sole purpose of being made into anime, and then he's watching anime to inspire his creation of his light novel. So it's like an Ouroboros, a snake that eats itself. That is Sota. Ugh, creative black hole. So. Though I do take shots at the story, there are some nice touches here and there, and it stays pretty consistent. The, st- the way the story has been put together does leave the doors open for some surprises, which I won't spoil, like character deaths. And there are some rules that are neat, where if you change the, if one of the creators changes aspects of a character and it's accepted by the audience, uh, audiences of the world, the creation itself gets updated in our world. Like, you can give them power-ups, or their character itself can really be changed. So those are some really cool touches. There are rules like that throughout the show. All in all, uh, this anime was way better than I thought it was going to be. And this is due to the source actually being of quality, as well as the dedication by the animation studio to bring us an entertaining ride with great production values. The events that happen are generally fun, uh, the way the different creations play off each other. And the creators is, again, just generally fun. It's just overall a very fun show. I'm giving it a crackers. Uh, it just needs a little bit more of an o- on the or- overarching narrative side of things. And the stuff with Sota to really be a, a special download now. But as is, Recreators is a show that almost makes me want to read an actual life light novel. Just almost. Okay. Yeah. And so that was a crackers, you said, or crackers? Yeah, it was close. Crackers. Oh, the stuff with Sota. <laughs> like, yeah, he's got you... all these like. Mm. Yeah. Is it there? sounded familiar. Like, I forget what the anime was called, but mm-hmm. it's this guy who ends up going to an all-girls school where, like, all the girls fight, like they combat each other. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, he's like, no, no, you must not fight. You're women. You cannot fight each other. Oh, And I wanted main... to kill him. Oh. <laughs> kill him. I wanted to string him up by his own intestines and just like, <sighs> you are such a problem with this era. You do not belong here. Go away. Mm, is the main character girl a, like a red-headed ginger haired girl? Uh, they all In have the really anime. gigantic boobs. I know that. <laughs> oh, okay. That, that, unfortunately, that doesn't help <laughs> to narrow things down. Um, oh, I think I... I don't know. I may have heard of it. It's, she might have brown hair, actually. Uh, I haven't seen. 
okay, the way the way it sounds like to me, like, and I, I know this is kind of contradictory because I haven't watched it as you found out last week, but I haven't watched Evangelion, right? But uh-huh. in Evangelion, the main character Shinji Ikari, he goes through like a lot of trauma apparently, and he's like, you know, he's really depressed and stuff. But he has like legitimate reasons, and the show itself is sort of like an analysis on sort of like the psychological effects of what it would mean to be like a mecha pilot or something, right? This guy, Sota, feels like he's written to be kind of like a Shinji Ikari from Evangelion. Like, I'm supposed to really get behind his, like, trauma and stuff. But, mm-hmm. honestly, he just comes across as annoying, and everybody else is just so, so much more competent compared to him. Like, um... Like, all the, all the creations themselves, like, they go way beyond their archetypes, like... A girl, like, a girl character will come out of the light novel and be, like, this thing. But by the end of the story, she's a completely different person, or, like, she's changed, at least, in some way. Sosa just learns to, from being, like, a bitch to being less of a bitch by the end. And, again, it's not justified. He, he like, I, I don't want to spoil it, but he didn't even, like... He wasn't even really involved with what he's apparently traumatized about. He actually really did nothing, which kind of sums up his character. He did nothing. Sota, he did nothing. 2017. So, yeah. I can't find it. I've you can't find done... that show yet? No, I'm looking for it. So, oh, I, I think see... I might know. Uh, is it called... Uh, Sekiri? Is that it? I think I might... Is it Sekiri? No, it's not... Um, It's not the one where, like, the guy makes a pact with the uh, different girls and, like, he forms a harem. Okay. This is one where this guy transfers into a high school, and the girls in the high school have been for some time. They fight each other to like resolve their problems, and he like will jump into a battle and be like, "Stop fighting! Stop fighting! You're both women. You don't fight." And I wanted oh. to beat his living brains out. <laughs> well, why? Just because he's um sh- being uh, chauvinistic about it, or? Well, yeah, he was being very chauvinistic, like, blatantly, like, this is how you've done things all the time? Well, too bad, oh. because I'm a man, and what is it, I is, say is Has the show got matters. a lot of fan service, actually? Yes. I Lots think, of fan service. Is it Iki Tosen? Well, I don't know if that no, has a guy. No, 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 it's I not Iki Tosen. No. no, it's not Iki Tosen. Because oh, okay. he actually I'm... ends up fighting. No, this is a guy who doesn't want to fight. He's a big bitch. Oh... Hey. Hmm. There's no nope, it's not Kella Kell. <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to look up girls that fight in the high school anime, and surprisingly there's quite a lot of them. It's not Camphor. It's not Sickity. Um, Is it like- Tenjo Tengi? Hold on. Uh, no, because he's Not also tenu. a fighter in that one. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Uh, I'm looking, like looking through. for related. <laughs> I'm just looking for like Ikitosin's related ones to try and see if I can find. Um, if you like this, you'll like this show. You'll like this show. Um. Not Bento, it's not High School of the Dead, not Himigoto, not Maoji Watoshi, not Ikitosen. Um, Senran Kagura? 
Not Senran Kagura because that's an all girls anime. Oh, is it? Okay. I'm just. Hmm. I'm gonna find it. I want to find it before. You, we... Yeah. It's, that, now that we've now that we've dedicated ourselves to this the search, it feels like it'd lose if I didn't. <laughs> I like how this there's actually a tag on an anime list called very etchy. Not just etchy, but very etchy. Uh, oh, is it Maken Key? Maken Key. I think that's it. I think that's it. Based on yes, magic comedy. Oh my god, Maken Key. Yes, that's it. You found it. Oop. Nice. <laughs> yeah, uh. so basically in that one, um, he enrolls at 10B Academy, a private prep school where that converted all girls to co-ed. Hoping to have a life full of ogling pretty girls, he reunites with his childhood friend who shows him around the school. However, he learns that the school is for students who possess magical and spiritual energies called elements, who wield crafted weapons known as makens. The students engage in school-sanctioned combat matches that showcase their powers. While his own ability in Maken is not apparent at first, Takeru soon finds himself surrounded by girls, including Inaho Kiyushi, an attractive girl who says he's his, she's his fiance, and Kodokama Himegami, a popular blonde who says she wants to kill him. Uh-huh. But during the like first time he's there, and you know subsequent times he'll actually run into a battle and be like, "No, no, don't fight, don't attack each other. Your girl, uh-huh. stop! You're not supposed to be doing this." And uh-huh. I wanted to beat his goddamn brains in. He sucked so much. He sucked. Yeah, especially in this kind of context. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how. I don't know, like especially even in this context where they're all battling girls, right? And like, yes. I'm guessing that they all like him as well. And in what scenario them, do they like this the... weak sauce guy? You know what I mean? If they're all like fighters, why would they like a guy who does like? It's, I don't it's know. Really weird. And like... That's what I th- I thought mm. at first about um, the mm. Manwa, which was called uh, Battle Girl High School or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, where like this guy transfers in, and he transferred in because it's close and cheap to his house. Um, he like takes care of his little brother and little sister on his own, and he works at like a, a car wash, and that's how he makes his money. And he kind of has like a fear of women because he was always picked on. But oh. then, like, he ends up going to this all girls school that, of course, converted to coed. And on his first day there, he runs into like the most beautiful, popular girl there, who he ends up calling a monster because of how powerful powerful she is. And mm-hmm. this other girl who tries to, like, take a kiss from him, but he blocks her. He's like, yeah. no, no, I don't even know you. I'm not going to kiss you. And so from that point, like, he starts attracting attention. Eventually, he actually becomes stronger. He ends up uh, working out and, like, getting some muscle and, and actually becoming a competent fighter. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, it feels it's like- definitely mm-hmm. focused on the girls fighting. Because mm-hmm. it feels like that, like, it feels like Mac and Key... Um, it's sort of like a what not to do that the person who wrote, for instance, the main guy from Machiavellianism learnt from. Where like you remember that one, uh, Machiavellianism. Yep. Where yeah, where like the main guy in that is like super strong. So there's like, there's like almost a reason why he fits in the school and like why you know the other girls would respect him because he's a very good fighter. Yep. Yeah. So like it it feels like they learnt from Mac and Key in terms of that with this guy. 
or you know the other show the, the other show has more of an arc the way you're you're mentioning it where he seems to train up and become stronger yeah um, but in this one in the anime for Makenki it's just I'm a wimpy bitch I say you can't fight because you're girls and even though I have no way of preventing you I'll throw my corpse in between you two in hopes that maybe you'll stop and of course he gets the crap be out of him which is maybe mm-hmm. why the girls are like oh he's kind of quirky you know like he tries to stop us from hurting one another that's weird mm-hmm. yeah i i guess that it's, it's weird that that would turn on at least more like it'd be weird if that was uh already on its own if that was like a weird thing that attracted one girl but like the fact that that manages to get all the girls attracted to him that that no that's not even a believable scenario with him even if the harem tag it could on be it. he also has that like oh he's a weakling and I need to protect him kind of thing like a lot of the girls had going for him yeah like, I oh, guess you know, he's <laughs> weak and he's like the only guy in the school like if I protect him he'll surely fall for me and give me babies mm-hmm because that's what all women are typically looking for they're looking for a, a weak guy who yes needs, a weak guy Cool. Just get them pregnant and you know, like, be the wife in the scenario. Or, sorry. Yeah. Be the <laughs> the standardized, stereotypical female in the scenario, staying at home, taking care of the kids, you know, doing yes. all the chores around the house, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so. Trying to be progressive mm-hmm. without you know saying too much here, but you know we still have to go back to our own stereotypes, and that's the stereotype that we have to label him as. Mm-hmm. Yep. In scenario. So yeah, so yep. tells this guy. Yep, sure. <laughs> Might as well. Alright. Yep. Then that wraps it up for another episode of Anime Pulse. Thank you everyone for listening or tuning in. And as always, keep watching, keep listening, and keep the anime love strong. <laughs>